ever told you that I really enjoy this song, dude? <laughs> I I don't think I, I actually have, really have, man. It's great, Rolling Stones, man. Yeah, it makes me think of the podcast, though. It does indeed. Uh, speaking of the podcast, uh, who are you and where are we? Yeah, Flight to Friday. What's going on? I'm your host, Kenny. Uh, we're we're not live at HAI right we're now. Live. Close alive as you can get. We are at the Embassy Suites late night after the Airbus party. After hours. This is after dark. (laughs) This is our first after dark episode. I like this. Yeah, this is going to be great. Hey, who are we talking to today? Yeah, so we got a very special um, episode tonight. So we got uh, Joshua Murphy. And Chuck Blaster five thousand. We don't. Think we Chuck don't know. Told us our last name. He yet. hasn't told us his last name okay. yet. But uh, <laughs> honestly, these guys are Orange County Fire. I made the mistake earlier of calling them LA County Fire, and I got some good looks. But uh, yeah, Josh and I were flight school, and then uh, we were stationed together at Hitron in San Francisco. And Josh decided to bail out at the thirteen year mark. So we're super excited to talk to him, and we'll see. All right, let's get let's started get here. So let's jump into it. Josh, Hello. welcome to Flight Suit Friday. Greatly appreciate it. Happy yeah, man. To be here. Yeah, it, I feel like we've talked about this for 18 months or so, having you on. Wait, Good why time. didn't you say welcome to Chuck Blaster 5000? Well, we haven't gotten to him yet. Yeah, but he's sitting right here. <laughs> Actually, Chuck, Chuck, what's your last name? Chuck Hawkins. Chuck, Chuck Hawkins. Ha- Mr. Hawkins. Mr. Hawkins. Welcome to Flight Suit Friday, sir. Thank you, sir. Yeah. yeah. Can we get a quick intro who you are, where you're from, what you've done in the helicopter industry, and uh, what you're doing now for work. Yeah, uh, absolutely. My name is uh, Chuck Hawkins. I'm a captain with the fire authority. Uh huh. Um, I live in Carlsbad, which is a little distance from the airport yep. at Fullerton, but i um, been a rescuer with our aviation program since 2008, and then recently picked up as a crew chief 2021. Nice. And then full-time crew chief as of this year. Nice. Good for you, man. Congratulations. Yeah. So have you always been interested in aviation or like how did you stumble upon it? Honestly, I've always been interested in rescue and and to me the helicopter's been like the ultimate rescue tool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Yeah. Uh you have any beers over there? What are you drinking? I got the uh, uh, rooftop what do they call it? The rooftop, rooftop uh can we get smash. some help over here? Rooftop, rooftop smash. smash. The rooftop smash. smash. Yeah, we got some background noise over here. Rooftop smash. Yeah. Um, Airbus special. We might as well go around the room real quick. I am drinking a uh, Tropicalia from Creature Comforts Brewery in Athens, Georgia. Go dogs. Quality Uh, IPA. Very good IPA. Yes. Absolutely. What do you got, Kenny? The Scofflaw Brewing Company, the basement IPA. Also very hoppy. Yes, very delicious. Seven and a half percent. Um, So I'm right, right, right. Actually, yeah. What do we got here, dude? I don't know. Just keep talking. I'm going to okay. have to look around it's, and scan for a while. All I know is it's ripe and juicy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Are those your words or are those the, the can? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I uh, have spinned this can three times now. I still haven't found the ABV. Yeah. Josh's radio voice, by the way, ripe and juicy. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Josh, tell us uh, yeah, who you are, what you've been, where you've where you been. All right. Uh, grew up Connecticut. Go from day what I want one, to do dude. with my life. What year were you born? <laughs> Nineteen eighty-five. Thank you. Okay. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm Jeez way younger than you, Louise. my friend. That's <laughs> why I smoke you on the pickleball court, dude. Jug Blaster. We'll talk thousand. about that later. Yeah. yeah. So, fifteen minutes down the road from the academy. Uh-huh. 
Natural Selection. Uh-huh. Went to the academy. Greatest school in the United States. Debatable. Uh, not a great place to go to. Great place to come from. <laughs> yep. Turns out, don't like boats. Get yeah. seasick. Okay. Aviation. And that was it? It was it. It was a hook? Yeah. Give Saw me... a helicopter landing on the back of the cutter. Said, okay, okay. yeah. That's... Were you the LSO at the time trying to get your head chopped off? I was just a cadet. Okay. You know, on my summer... Hate in life. Nice. Yeah. Good. And then saw a helicopter. They're all high-fiving, having a blast. Come in. They do their landings. They have dinner. Take off. Go home. And like, what are those guys? What do they do? Yeah. I want that job. That's I will awful. say that I fist bump on a regular daily basis. <laughs> all right. Sorry. Continue. Yeah. Totally pumped. Yeah. So finish the academy. Direct to flight school. Actually, flight school with Kenny. The one and, and only. Him. Yeah. I heard... There was a taco party at Kenneth Ingram's house. Mm-hmm. The rest is history. I, people still come up to me like, oh, you're the guy that used to have those parties oh, yeah. in flight school, right? Huge. Yeah. Was it just like Taco Tuesday? And you no, man. This or? was like, um, think of the movies when like a frat house throws a party and it's shoulder to shoulder. Are you like playing yourself up right now? I'm, no. not, I'm not kidding, man. I'm not kidding. Epic. Shoulder to shoulder. We had like fog... Fog machines going. We'd have all sorts of stuff. Sounds like a, like a Snoop Dogg moment or something. I, <laughs> no, yeah, you're 100% right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember the cops showed up uh, just about every party we had, but the Halloween party specifically. Halloween party. Um, I just remember like I was sitting in the corner smoking a cigar in like this dark corner and someone's like, hey, the cops are here. And so I just go up and the cops are like, dude, this is a... This is one of the biggest parties I've ever seen in, in Milton. Because it's in Milton, <laughs> it's in Milton, Florida. <laughs> and I was like, "Thank you, sir." He's like, "Hey, uh, there's some people like parked on neighbors' grasses and stuff." And you're like, "Okay." Is yeah. this your profile picture, mullet with a uh, cigar? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Sorry. All right. We're gonna totally, keep moving on. Yeah. yeah. Let's continue, please. That's when I met Kenneth here. Just Amazing re- flight school experience. Okay. Los flight Angeles. School, flight school was a time in my life. I think. It really, like. Yeah. There's a high point in my life. I love yeah. flight school. Flight school. We got to continue. Yeah. Yes, yeah. we got to keep going. All right. So moving on, Los Angeles. Okay. Best air station. No longer exists. Yep. Hitron Jacksonville. Not the best air station, okay. but okay. the most memorable moments of my life. Awesome. Flying a helicopter. Yeah. Love that. San Francisco. Awesome. Because it has Point Magoo. Yeah. Which is just total man camp. Awesome. And then got out. So that was 13 years, separated, and then got a job. Incredible, Orange County Fire. So now I'm a fire pilot for Orange County. For how many years? Uh, two and a half years now. Two and a half years. And you're a Coast Guard Reservist. I Don't leave Coast that out, Reservist. Uh, Speaking of that, man. You the proud. Your hair barrels are out <laughs> of control, man. Like, that's Waimea right there, dude. Like, you could surf the It's a backside dream. Yeah, Just dude. Unbelievable. Totally within regulation. <laughs> it is not in regulation. Yeah, that's not the haircut I would expect for an 05. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, uh, what would you say, like, your favorite? Do you have, like, a memorable SAR case or something that happened in the coast where you're like, oh, man, this is awesome? You know, that's a specific like moment in the Coast Guard. There's no like specific moment. Los Angeles, though, I remember like coming to work, walking into the rescue swimmer shop, Kevin Peach, biggest smile on his face. 
like the rescue swimmer shop is the place to be. If you're a yeah. young pilot and you don't hang out in the rescue swimmer shop, <laughs> you're doing something wrong. Yeah. Because those guys just got They're it always right. having Their fun. Their vibe is right yeah. on. Yeah. So like, I just remember loving every day yeah. of that. We were talking about that earlier today of just like how the, the swimmer community is so tight and small and, um, swimmers will not see each other for 22 years and be like, walks by someone and be like, I know you. And it's immediate bro hug. Oh yeah. And they're doing secret handshakes and talking about good times and yeah. rescues and everything. And that, yeah, that is really cool. It's a good life. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but aviation wise, yeah. I think I just said it, you'll hit Tron. It's, it's kind of a tough life. You know, there's a lot of, it's not your standard coast guard gig, but talk about insane, like downrange, off the coast, 200 miles, you get that, you get the, you know, like call, like, hey, from the deck, like, hey, uh, we got a case coming up. We'd like you to come up. And you're like, yeah, you sit up and you're like, I'm about to take off from the back of a cutter. It's pitch three, black. 3 a.m. 3 a.m. And go chase down this boat that's just cruising out there. I mean, I remember a case we went out and the P3, Navy P3, whatever is directing us in and. We couldn't find the boat. We've overflew it three times because it's so freaking dark. Yeah. And we got low enough one time that it scared it. So it started moving. <laughs> and we're like, holy, there it is. Yeah. And then we shot the engine out in the middle of the ocean, pitch in the black, of ocean, no in lights. The of the night. Yeah. Like that's just insane. It truly is. And I've said it before on this podcast. Like that is, um, I don't ever want to go back, but that is my yeah. favorite place I've ever been. And it challenged you as a person, as an officer, as a pilot, all, Huge. all of it, you know? Huge. Like I often, like you think back, oh, should I, are you going to go to Atlantic City? Or are you going to Hitron? I will say. Everyone's a, going one or the other, you know? Yeah. I will say as a non-Hitron pilot, you guys are always flexing. Yeah. You're always flexing on us. Like. Rightfully we, so. Uh, honestly, <laughs> it actually is rightfully so. Um. I'll put any Hitron pilot against any fleet pilot for like stick and rudder skills. Hey, Chuck, has uh, Murph explained all of his uh, prowess at Hitron? Do you even know what that is uh, for the Coast Guard? Honestly, Hitron is a new term for me. Okay, like, good. I've, I've not heard this before. <laughs> yeah, so uh, drug uh, interdiction out of Jacksonville, uh, nighttime off the back of a boat flying. So like pretty... Harry Fine, uh, which brings me to the fact I, I, I wanted to ask you that because you guys do really Harry Flying in California. Like you are doing fire, fire firefighting. You guys are doing what inland cliff rescue, swift water rescue. Um, I'm sure you have some Harry experiences or, or favorite SAR cases that you may have been on as well uh, as a crew chief and and going out the door there. Yeah, I feel like uh, Josh and I actually were on. Probably the biggest fire that I've ever been on. Coastal. Yeah. Um, it was uh, April 10th of last year. Uh-huh. And uh, we had a like a pretty significant onshore wind event. It was not what you would call fire season. Mm-hmm. And um, small fire became a very big fire. And then certainly like structures, life threatened. And where, Josh, in, where in California was this it? This was uh, Laguna Niguel. Okay. Um, so... That one, I know it's not a search and rescue event, but but it's one of those ones that Josh and I were on together where where like it really took some pretty significant crew coordination, like from my perspective. 
and uh, and certainly like some some uh, I would say like just tough flying conditions for you. Yeah. Um, you know, with the wind and the topography and all that stuff, where the fire was going, we like couldn't work down into certain spots. Yeah. And then uh, with the wind, what we were dropping was or was not effective. You know. We so, uh, so Coast Guard, you over torque, you over speed, game over. You going home? Going home. I oversped on that day the engine, just because the hot just. Blasting like hot air up yeah. coming up as I'm trying to dive down into a canyon with I've got a, a full, full tank of water. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and he's telling me on the way in, like, like I'm telling him where to go, like in terms of where to anchor this and you know hit the spot and everything. Right. And he's like, I can't get down there. And and so as we try and work our way down, we're getting wind gusts off the nose and it's spiking. You know our um, like your torques, ev- everything. So, everything's going up. Um, yeah. you know, we had a overspeed and I think that's what you call it, right? Like yep. an overspeed. And so, you know, we have mechanics on the way in and we got to stop and fuel and, and, and it was one of those things that grounded us for a second. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, we we're pulling to, hums, like, like bringing out the laptop, figuring out like how much <laughs> yeah. of an overspeed, are like, we are good? we good to go? Boom. Yeah. You're good. Yep. Get back in Get there. Get back like, in the fight for sure. Wow. Yeah. Are you, are you releasing everything in the back? Like, is that... We unload what we can for sure, crew okay. wise and equipment wise. But you're like, talking about water, or? Yeah, like water. Yeah, like who's? We, are you directing? Are you releasing? Like how does the? It's, I, it's I coordinated. About the, it's definitely coordinated. Okay, like we can do split drops, or we can do like a salvo where you're dropping everything in the tank. But if we're heavy, like it's the start of a fuel cycle, then you know we're not going to get a ton of water, especially okay. with the size tank that we have. So. Yeah. So it's a it's definitely a coordinated uh, yeah. effort between the pilot and the crew chief. What you're asking, I press the button. You press the button. I press the button. I he also tells have a you button. where to go. Yeah, but I have a button too. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Chuck gets a button too. Yeah. Good. Good. Everybody gets a button. <laughs> yeah. That's Coast Guard, right? Yeah. So, I think were were you and me on your first SAR case in San Francisco? Because I think we had yeah, a case you. where um, it was a vertical surface, close to vertical surface, oh, off of Alcatraz, Alcatraz Island. You remember that? Yeah. Did that, you never have a live hoist until That San was my Francisco? first live That's hoist. That's right. Yeah. It was super awesome. I mean, on Alcatraz? It was on, on Alcatraz. Alcatraz. It was yeah. like, hey, there's a, there's a PIW uh, off Alcatraz. And so we get out there and- there's this little boat that's like literally shattered in pieces. There's just like fiberglass and pieces of wood everywhere. And we're looking, the small boat's there and you're like, oh, there's the guy. And he's clinging to the rocks at the base of, of Alcatraz. Wow. Um, and it was like, all right, let's, let's do it. And yeah. I, I remember that I didn't know it, but after we got back, you're like, I think that might've been like my first like legitimate, <laughs> like live hoist. You right. had done like medevacs and, and other stuff, but. Yeah. I've been a co-pilot on hoist. It was, he was yeah. right at the base. Turns out it's my neighbor. The guy I we forgot hoisted, about that shit. Oh, oh my yeah. gosh, dude. His child went to my kid's preschool. Our kids went to I preschool together that. in a five-kid preschool. Uh, the other thing that I thought was funny about that is uh, we were over 9,200 pounds. And so, yeah, we were like, okay, well, this guy's literally at the base of this, you know, yeah. island with crashing waves underneath. We're going to hoist above 9,200 pounds, which is like our operational limit. 
Yeah. And so we do that. We come back. There was like 20 knots of wind. Torque mm-hmm. was fine. Um, and so I tell the, the watch captain like, hey, um, just so you know, we hoisted over 9,200 pounds. So he's like, oh, you over torqued. Nope. Nope. Didn't even come close to over torque. He's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, so what are you telling me? I'm like, I'm telling you we hoisted above 9,200 pounds. Like, let me point to you. And he just did blew his mind. Didn't, didn't matter. <laughs> didn't matter. Yeah. Look, so. the 65 has been hoisting overweight, overpower for what, 30 years. So the 65 is the reason I got a job with Orange County Fire. Do tell. Hands Explain. down. Do tell. So what people don't know is that if you're a 60 pilot. Garbage. You don't really have to be a good pilot. Yeah, they're terrible. <laughs> the helicopter does all the work. They're gross. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, continue. <laughs> so we fly 412s in Orange County Fire. It's Type Which 2 aircraft. is a... Very torque limited. Bell? Bell 412. Thank yeah. you. Uh, Jeez. Dude, I know no aircraft outside the 65 <laughs> and the 60, which is not great. But I am in your department. The only aircraft I know is the one I'm flying. You agreed. Yeah. Okay. There's so Thank much you. space up here, you know? Okay, Bell 412. Yeah. Bell 412. Power Type limited. 2 aircraft. Very power limited. Very touchy. Like torque spikes all over the place. I don't pull collective without looking at my torque gauge. Yeah. And that was important. And the chief pilot actually told me, he's like, yeah, we don't, we don't look in our agency for 60 pilots. We look for pilots who can fly a 412. Wow. Yeah. So you guys have 412s and 60s then? We just bought two Firehawks. Delivery in October is the goal from United Rotorcraft. Pretty pumped. What does that What does that mean? Well, what does that mean to you, Chuck? As a like flying out that in the back, is that a better equipped aircraft for you guys? I, th- I feel like we'll have our challenges, you okay. know, with uh, going from Type Two to Type One. Yeah, and we certainly need to talk to like San Diego, Ventura, Cal Fire, L.A. City, L.A. County. Everybody yeah. around us has a lot talks. of people flying them. So. From a hoisting perspective, from a rescue perspective, I think it does pose some challenges, but I think those lessons are learned. We just have to talk to our like rescue partners, agencies around us. From a firefighting perspective, it's an absolute game changer. Is it? I mean, going from 300 gallons with a 412, which, I mean, on a fuel, like if we're full of fuel and you're getting 60 or 80 gallons of water versus 300 at, a, at the end of a fuel cycle versus like literally 800 to 1,000 gallons, we've seen it. Yeah, you know, firsthand. Yeah, it's a game changer. So in the in the four twelve, do you sit right behind Josh, and then in the Firehawk, you sit way in the back? I think for for uh, firefighting, Josh and I I sit left front. For oh, firefighting. okay. Oh, I didn't know yeah. that. And I work yeah. the uh, yeah. navigation and radios. Also, no like way. Can okay. be controlling uh, aircraft for like other rotary wing in the yeah. in the area. Oh, cool. But for rescue, we'll be. Uh, right skid or right step, you know, in the, in yeah, the he's hawks. in the aft mating the hoist. Yeah. Yeah. For rescues. Yeah. So are you, you're running the hoist or are you going down on the hoist? I'm the crew chief. So I'll be running the okay, hoist. Okay. You're running the hoist. Yep, yep, yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. 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 Do you guys do long lining? We do. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, w- with a uh, large animal rescue, we do long line. Oh yeah. yeah. So, we do save a lot cargo of hoisting. Yeah. Okay. We don't do long lining. Okay. Like long linings, you sit on the left seat, you lean out the window. There's no one conning you in. A long line pilot is alone. 
stop it. I didn't know this when I left the Coast Guard. Like, yeah, I, had, I have no idea. Either, I had so. no idea. People yeah. said long line. I'm like, I, I don't There's know. There's a line that's really long. So the long line, line means you got your just one hundred foot cable. Sam. Look, I'm trying to add to the conversation. <laughs> Let Mark do it. Let me tell you. Yeah, <laughs> I learned this. Yeah, hooked up bottom of the helicopter, and you look out the left window, and you have all your gauges like in the door. So you can just look and hoist yourself. You're in the right seat looking out the left window? No, you're in the left seat looking yeah. out the left. Like, this is important questions here. I thought bender. he was flying in the right seat. <laughs> no. And he's lying all the way across. <laughs> who, sits no. in, who sits in the left seat in a single pile of helicopter? Longliners. Why? This is what I'm telling you. Why? Because ab strength. Ab strength. Are you talking about these? Like abs? your left yeah. ab is stronger than your right so ab? So where's your collective on your left side, right? Yeah. So if you're having to lean way out to the right and you're having to stretch your arm all the way out to the left. To no collective, way is that why they sit That's why. That and seat. you can't move the collective in the fine movements that you need to really? do. So you sit in the left seat because now you lean out to the left and then you have small collective movements. These, these background laughers over here, dude. <laughs> Yeah. No way. I can't believe that. And it's not easy. I've done it like two times because our lead pilot, our previously pilot, long line his whole life, like phenomenal. Oh, yeah. I think I texted Kenny the first day that I opened the door, the pilot door in the helicopter while flying. Totally cool. Just open the pilot door. Anytime Got to see what you're doing. Got to see what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. We're coming in to land on a dolly because we have skids, so you can't taxi it around. And I'm sitting in the left seat because this is the very beginning. Mm -hmm. The chief pilot's over in the right seat, and we come in the land. We come like 200 feet, and he just opens oh, the door. Opens the door. <laughs> and then starts look, leaning out and looking down to see where to land. And I was like, that mind blown. That's awesome. Blown. You know, That's like when you get outside of the norm that you have been trained in for yeah. years, like 13 years of flying for the Coast Guard. Right. You don't open the door. And you never open the door, no. dude. <laughs> you absolutely never open the door. That's wild. We it's should good. open the door on the way home. You know, like, I think that's important. Not that we open the door on the way home because <laughs> it's probably like 120 knots, no big deal. But like, you should do something that is not, uh, let me rephrase this. You shouldn't do something that's out of the norm, but like you should uh, train in scenarios that you haven't been in before. Yeah. Like you've never opened the door to landing. Right. Is there any harm in opening your door while hovering at 50 feet and coming down to a landing? No. Probably not. Um, maybe, we need, maybe we need to talk to Coast Guard Engineering before we do that. Yeah. Like, uh Expand the envelope, man. Yeah. 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 No, I think that's really important, which is probably what yep. you've learned. So this leads me right into something I want to talk about. Yeah. So when I was getting out of the Coast Guard, right, I got two years left, time to start preparing. I went to HAI in Anaheim, and I was actually talking to an Orange County pilot, texting him like, hey, I'm coming to HAI. He's like, oh, so you're going to the rescue summit, right? Rescue who's it was? Huh? There's a whole world of professional hoist operators out there that have conferences to talk about doing their job better. And they analyze mishaps and they have just phenomenal GoPro footage and experience and they dive into these things. I didn't even know about it. Like I was just coming to HAI to get a job and turns out there's these conferences happening that are before HAI. So they're like the three or four days before HAI, all these big 
you know, organizations, Goodrich throws a conference, APSA throws a conference, and it's all hoist operators. And they throw it around HAI because they know everyone's coming to HAI. So yeah. you're going to get best attendance. And that's where you get better. Dude, you talk about how to get better. I'm sorry. That makes me mad because we as an organization are not bad at hoisting over water to boats. Right. Like we have a specific niche that we are good at and we aren't going to the hoist uh, conference and sharing any of that knowledge. Like, Dude. you know, could you imagine Chuck, if you were talking with another hoist operator who hoisted to boats all the time and you're like, Oh, let's, Hey, how do you do this? And like, then they talk to you and you're like, this is how I do this in this scenario. Chuck, how many times has the Coast Guard been mentioned this Dude, past weekend? I was just going to bring it up. Like literally the Coast Guard is so prevalent in like local agencies, fire agencies, yeah. enforcement agencies. Like, I don't know. I, it must be post um, like your, your assignment or your duty yeah. years. You know what I mean? But Coast Guard is everywhere. And, and literally like the checklists, when you see these guys Maryland doing their State Police. voice briefs, yeah. Maryland, like, or, or Squamish, or is it, was that the mountain range that yeah. we, yep. yeah. So like, or Ventura. I mean, the same thing. I mean, it's all Coast Guard based. Yeah. Is infiltrating. Yeah. We're yeah. infiltrating. Yes. Yeah. But they Impressive. talk about the Coast Guard, like, oh, and the Coast Guard does this and the Coast Guard's with, great. And you look reverence. around the room, where's the Coasties? Yeah. Could you imagine that like we came in there and was like, hey, this is just all you got to do is this is how we do a hoist. Yeah. This is our hoist brief. This is what we think about before we go into it. And this is how we execute. Yeah. Oh, cool. Like that, those are some good points. I'd maybe want to take some of that. And then you guys go in and you say the same exact thing from your perspective. And we're like, oh shit, like we never thought about that. Right. That's a great idea. Right. Yeah. The collaborative uh, entity of the Coast Guard with civilian other government agencies um, is lacking. I'll throw us under the bus. But right it's way now. above other military. I, I, I mean, do we agree. Are it pretty is pretty well integrated. Yes. There's just a couple more steps we can take. There's a couple more steps. Yeah, absolutely. Like we need to get out there and we yeah. need to improve. Like, because yeah. if we're not improving, we're just doing so, the yeah, same damn thing every first time. First year I went, I got invited by Cody, went to the rescue summit and I learned about dynamic hoisting brought it back Corey Braddock I don't know if you guys ever crossed but I know you crossed yeah. paths with yeah. Braddock Braddock totally like gave me the world like go figure it out learn how to dynamic hoist bring it back and I kind of develop stuff talked to the guys who had been given the presentation from the Swiss Alps like and brought it back and I did it all wrong Oh, because right. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, oh, yeah, this is so cool. I'm just trying to figure it out and like apply Coast Guard set. Totally wrong. I so, love that. Corey, I appreciate you uh, losing the reins there, but I've learned a lot more since then on what like dynamic hoisting actually is. Yeah. And it's pros and cons. And we've got some guys at, you know, Orange County that are like, nah, dynamic hoisting, that's just, you know, it's got its time, it's got its place, but it's a tool that like is just out there and being talked about. We're not talking about it. Dude, in any power-limited aircraft, like your 412, the yeah. 65, like that is the way to do it. Right. Yeah. And M minimize yeah. your time that you are in a critical state of flight where you, if you have an engine failure, could maybe not fly out. Misconception. You yeah. think that's what it's about. So Kareem. The time element. Of, yeah. Kareem, one of our, dude, this guy has had three engine failures in flight. Survived them all. Like, Dang. This... When you talk about OG helicopter Legend. pilot, 
legend. Yeah. How long has he been? A how many hours has he got? A million. He was uh, eighteen in Vietnam. Still. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, eighteen thousand flight hours. Yeah, and he's still consulting, still out yeah. there. He flew for Orange County. Yeah. Um, it's not about that. Like you think it's all about this power mint. No, it's about the dynamics underneath the helicopter that prevent spin, swing. Yeah. That create all this awesome stuff for the guys down below. So it has nothing to do with the helicopter and fly out. I mean, and power. that's cool. Like it adds a little benefit, but it's not all about okay. that. And what Kareem says is like, no, that's a little crap. Like all my engine failures happen in transition. It's transition from flying to a hover because then you're changing the engine. Once you're in that hover, your engine's at stable state. It's good to go. It's when you pull that change out. So he's like not a big proponent of dynamic hoisting huh. for that being the reason. No, you can use dynamic to prevent swing when you are not using a trail line or whatever, yeah. but it's not all about that. And see, I, there you go. You got a Coast Guard misconception because you heard one thing yeah. one time and said, oh, this is it. Yeah. No. So that's, that you was my initial You got to get to the thought. conferences. You got to yeah. dig deep. You got to listen to Kareem's out there who have flown way more than we ever have in the Coast Guard. Yeah. Which I, I love that too because like uh, – I immediately thought it was for us up front and flying out. And oh. it is, and, and then I started, I've done some of these techniques where you like pull power if you're starting to spin and you just continue that power climb. Yeah. Or you transition to forward flight, you get through ETL and that person below you stops spinning. And that About makes the guys all, down below. Yeah, it makes a lot more sense for oh, yeah. everybody down below. And then makes it, e it like, Chuck, your job's easier too when somebody's sure. not spinning underneath you 100%. the entire on the way up. Yeah. 100%. That Man. coordination with the pilot is. Like essential. Oh yeah. Do you guys? Uh, I was talking to somebody about this earlier in this conference, but do you guys use the fin thing that uh, you can put on litters or baskets or anything? No, uh, we still use a tagline. Okay. At this point, yeah. And if a tagline breaks, we just depart. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I found that really interesting. That uh, there was a company I was talking to that uses that thing exclusively, right. and they don't use taglines anymore. Yeah. And they say it works great. As long as you know what you're doing with uh, the fin and, well, I don't know how it works. And there's pros and cons. Why are you yeah. not using a tagline? What's your point of not using a tagline? Is it because you are so crew limited that you don't have an experienced person on the ground? Maybe. Maybe. So now you need that Maybe. equipment. Do you have an experienced firefighter on the ground who knows how to manage a tagline? Yeah. Why not use a tagline? It's got to be confined yeah. area. I mean, yeah, that's the big reason. Yeah, you always got to look into like what is the reason you're yeah. doing something. I mean, like for you're not us, just doing it for fun because it looks cool. For us specifically, like we've started, we've started to train where we start to transition to the swimmer coming up with the device and the uh, uh, survivor yep. in any case that we have. And so at that point, like the tagline is left to whoever's on the ground. So maybe right. they aren't experienced in that tagline, and maybe that yeah, fan, so you might have a purpose for that thing. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. Yeah. Um, circling back a little bit. Circle, um, dude. Circle yeah, back. You got out at 13 years in the Coast Guard. Yeah. Uh, everyone is like, dude, if you're over 10, like, you should just stick it out, man. Yeah. Like, what were some of the factors that kind of led to that decision? Uh, easy decision for me. Okay. Easy decision. Family. Yeah. Number one. Family. Yeah. I yeah. said, hey, can you send me to Hawaii? Mobile, Alabama. Yeah. Can you send me to Magoo? Mobile, Alabama. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Get out. 
Yeah, something that we've been talking about a lot, um, just looking at HI and different, you know, outfits that are out there and jobs that are out there is like, dude, it's not just about money. Like there's so much more to a job of like, cool, where do I get to live? Right. How are the people that I'm going to work with? You know, like, do I enjoy my job? Do I wake up and excited to go to work? Right. Or do I hate it? So that. But easy decision for me because there was no other decision. Yeah. You know, my wife basically said like, I'm not moving to Mobile, Alabama. So if you're going there, fine. I'm not going there. Easy decision. Yeah. My wife over Mobile, Alabama. A hundred percent. Yeah. Not yeah. a very hard decision. Yeah. And when you you're know? at the point where you can be like, all right, I can transition to a new new chapter of my life. Yeah. You know, absolutely. I should have been more scared though, you know, because we were just willing to do whatever it took to get stable in Los Angeles, set up our life. I was going to work whatever came my way build whatever I needed to do to get part of a fire department. Cause flying for a fire department is yeah. the only better job than flying for the coast guard. How yeah. do you get that? It ain't easy. <laughs> How, why did you guys hire uh, Merv, Chuck? Why did you hire him? I mean, besides it's the an, hair, besides <laughs> the hair, dude. It, I mean, you could say the blazer, you could say the, <laughs> the corduroy blazer corduroy. that he's wearing right now. Yeah. That's his suede leather shoes. Punchable yeah. face. Yeah. Go on. I feel like, uh, honestly, I feel like his experience. Yeah. Um, the hoist time that he had, the MBG time that he had, um, the time on like a similar airframe. Mm-hmm. Like it's not mountainous terrain you know, which we fly. Yeah. Um, it's not water dropping, which we do as a mission for sure a lot. Yeah. But I feel like the Coast Guard sets a foundation for our pilots that is an easy transition mm-hmm. to what we do in our county or in Southern California. Yeah. I mean, I got to meet you guys for two days now, but culturally I feel like there is a good connection. It's a, yeah. Like, yeah. You guys are really centered on uh, like uh, aviation rescue. You guys like have a really good camaraderie between you, and oh, yeah. which kind of leads me to question: like, what's the safety and just what's the overall culture like at Orange County? Um, and maybe that expands out to the rest of the LA Basin. But like, what what's what's work life like? What what do you guys are doing there? H- how is it uh, for you post Coast Guard? How is it for you, Chuck? As uh, you know, being there for for the number of years, like, how is that? You want to go first? Yeah, you want me to take this one? Do this one. Yeah. And then I'll go after. All right. Orange County Fire has the best damn safety culture I've ever been part of. Better than the Coast Guard. And no safety management system. Really? Yeah. So coming into it, the lead pilot actually told me one of the reasons he hired me was because I have safety management system experience. Mm -hmm. And they wanted someone who had a lot of that like structure and development and you know, all the different policy and frat and all this stuff, like to build a safety program. And I walked in thinking like, okay, well, and you look around and you're like, oh man, there's a lot missing here. There's a lot to work on. And then you fly and sit through one debrief with these guys. Mm -hmm. There's not much to work on. Good. These guys like debrief an hour flight for half an hour just talking about the good, the bad, they dig into it. They are nuts and bolts, nuts and bolts, every every hoist. No one's afraid to say I screwed up. No one's afraid to say, Hey Chuck, you screwed up. Like 
He doesn't take offense and we just dig into it and everyone owns their shit. Like try and get better. It's not about the lowest common denominator. Like, Oh, we got to build a system for all the idiots out there. No, we hire the best. We choose the best. And then everyone looks right and left and says, well, oh, yeah. I'm going to be the best. Man, that's awesome. So that's pretty cool. Cause I, I feel like that's high praise. Cause I, I can honestly say you are the best safety officer I ever saw on the Coast Guard, and I don't think anyone um, would disagree. Like, you wholeheartedly believed in SMS, and you implemented it. And not only that, but you made everyone else believe that SMS was important. And yeah. that- Best safety stand-down. Sorry. Go yeah. On. <laughs> yeah. Go on. So that's the thing. I didn't believe in SMS. I believe in safety culture. Yeah. And you can use an SMS to build a safety culture. But that's the goal. The goal is to make people want to be safe. What we were talking to that Squamish dude, the yeah, Rob, Rob Mundy. Yeah. yeah. And he was like, so a lot of agencies out there don't have checklists. They roll into a hoist and they say, Hey, I'm gonna pick that guy up. Sweet. Starting my run. Starting my run. Let's do it. And you pick yeah. him up. And it works. With no, it doesn't. No chit chat before. No, just let's go do this. Well, so Rob was talking about checklists and building checklists and everything. And what he said is you got to build a checklist that people want to do. Mm-hmm. You're not forcing checklists. Yeah. You're not forcing it down their throat. Like you got to build a checklist that hits the big points, but people want to do. So that was my whole concept in a safety officer yeah. is how do I make people want to do this stuff? Yeah. Cause if they want to do it, then it'll actually get done. And squatty potties was like the, my best initiative. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. So I'm oh, saying, I don't think squatty potties has anything to do with safety no, culture. No, no, no. We got to continue. <laughs> no. We need to continue on this vein. So I'm sitting at a department head meeting with, I think Tad Wilson was the XO at that point in time. Uh, Terry Kindness, uh, just some high up people there. And I'm, you know, <laughs> when you're the safety officer in a department head meeting, you are the lowest ranking person. And then you bring up squatty potties. And yeah, I'm <laughs> Is like, that like so a bumper dumper. Or- everybody needs to take a better poop. <laughs> yeah. And like EO's like, oh, I want to buy $15,000 worth of this. And I want to buy, oh, okay, safety. What budget items do you have? I'd like to buy uh, $60 of squatty potties. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you going with squatty potties? So (laughs) we started an anonymous reporting, a hazard reporting system. Like, hey, come to me. Tell me what you need. What do you need to make this place better, safer, awesome? And one of the rescue swimmers said, I want a safer poop. I want to clear my colon. No Buy us squatty potties. And I said, and I... I looked to my, you know, ground safety and I was like, we're, we're, we're buying squatty potties. Do I give a shit about squatty potties? No. But if That's... someone submits a hazard report asking for something and it only costs me $60 to give it to them. Why not? Yeah. You built, why not? You built safety culture. And then I put safety stickers on the squatty potty. So while you're in there, you're looking yeah. at safety stickers saying safety got me these. Yeah. Safety. I never use the squatty potty. I for, always for use the squatty potty. I don't need the squatty potty. Always yeah. used it, dude. Dude, has you ever reports? used the squatty potty, Chuck? Highly no. recommend. <laughs> See, this is just like classic Murph stuff. You're like, yeah. What? But heck? what happened? Hazard reports went through the roof. We through found about things we didn't know about and we 
change. Like right then they said, safety gives a shit about me. Yeah. That guy cares about making this place better. Yeah. Maybe I should care about making this place better. Yeah. No, so, that's it. It's about culture. It's not about yeah. safety. We, we talked about our last episode a little bit of like, you can have all the policy in the world. Yeah. But if you don't breed the culture that makes people want to follow any of it, it doesn't, it's completely useless. Just throw it in the trash. Right. Yeah. 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 I don't know that squatty potties is necessarily. No, that's a metaphor, okay. dude. Squatty <laughs> yeah. potties are a metaphor, dude. Yeah. You got to embrace it. I remember you and I talking about this of like, like what do people, what does the average person see of safety? And it's like, cool. They need their CRM refresher yeah. every year. And there's a couple other things. Like if every time they show up to get that, you're like, Oh, we're too busy. They're like, Oh, safety doesn't oh, yeah. care. Safety doesn't do anything. Yeah. You make time to make that CRM refresher and available. I remember that drop everything. Yep. Yeah. And, and make it happen. Yeah. That's cool. Man. Squatted bodies. I'm totally flabbergasted right here, dude. Yeah. Just deep dive off the rail. Yeah. Hey, uh, did the Coast Guard set you up for what you're doing now? Hold on. Before, before okay, we go into that, okay. uh, I want to talk just like briefly, like Orange County missions, what you guys do, what kind of shifts you run on. Cooler and, question. Thank and you. And then I have Very much a follow-up question on that one, but we'll, we'll start with that. I'll be silent over here. Go on. All right. So we got, we staff two helicopters a day, one through the night. It's fire and rescue. We staff that with a pilot, a crew chief, and a rescue medic. So anything that comes, we're dispatching. And we've got a second helicopter that is only daytime staffed. So that is our fire helicopter. It ha just has your pilot and your crew chief. So no rescuer. If we had like a second rescue somehow in Orange County, we could go pick up some tech truck guys and we could execute the rescue. Okay. But it's primarily just fire. Gotcha. So if you're on the rescue shift, it's A, B, C. There's three shifts, 48, 96. You're two days on. So you come in the air station at 8 a.m. And you leave two days later at 8 a.m. And then you're off for four days. Terrible schedule. <sighs> Terrible God. schedule, dude. So I've actually only been on that shift for about two weeks. And I felt like I've had two vacations already. Yeah. It's insane. Your four days just. Yeah. Unbelievable. Oh, it's incredible. Okay, so yeah. we got the rescue. Truck Blaster 5000, that's the uh, shift that you're on? Uh, yeah, I'm on the rescue shift, which is the 24 hours. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I'm on A shift. But Chuck yeah. and I Josh did. now on C yeah. shift. There's only okay. one Chuck Blaster 5000 on the A shift. But Chuck and I did <laughs> share the fire ship for a while. Oh, yeah. Which is four 10-hour shifts. And I can go into all the crazy ways you do four 10 hours, yeah. but you're basically like every other weekend, then Wednesday, Thursday, it's, it's weird. You're doing four 10 hour shifts and that, you know, like in the aviation community, that's actually pretty good. Like you look around and that's kind of the average four tens, four tens or seven twelves. So you do like seven days on seven days off and I'm not going to, it was a little rougher than I was ready for. I think yeah. uh, it's like, it's just one of those shifts. It's just you, one you of those do shifts. You, you do what you do. Yeah. But yeah, now I'm on the 4896 okay. in Stream Life. As good as it gets. Nice. Yeah. I, I don't know. We've been, uh, you know, looking at HAI jobs and stuff and, you know, dude, doing seven days, 12 hour shifts is brutal. Yeah. And yes, you get seven days off, but the amount of time that you're actually working over a year is more than doing your eight to four, eight to five, Monday through Friday or whatever it is. Um, it's interesting. I mean, 
yeah, the seven days on, seven days off is, it's a lot. And it's more, so when you're, you know, ensign, well, you're not even an ensign when you start flying, JG, lieutenant, yeah. like you're working more than 10 hours a day. You are. Are you? Studying, flying. Well, I was. Okay. You are, you are doing your job, you know, but by the time you're in 04, your schedule is pretty, pretty flexible. Yes. You know? It's pretty lax. Like you come in when you need to come in, you get your job done when you need to get done. You stay in your three, four duties a month. Water Buffalo. Like life is pretty, pretty good. Yeah. The seven on seven off is going to be like, I, one of the hardest things, not hardest, but it was just interesting. Like I had to be there at 8 a.m. No one else is staffing that helicopter at 8 a.m. There's no chief running the division to come in and do all the 8 a.m. stuff so I can come in at 9 a.m. You know, like, I had to be there at 8 a.m. and I wasn't allowed to leave till 6 p.m. Dude, 8 a.m. Yeah. is so hard if you're in the military too, man. I totally <laughs> understand everything you're saying, dude. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, there's, it, it, was a, it was kind of a culture shock of like, oh, no, like, I am tied to a helicopter. Yeah. And it is my responsibility you have to, to be, be here from this time to this time. And there it's not negotiable. Like, yeah, that's when I, that's when I'm there. And that time means time away from my kids. Like, okay, that means I don't get to bring them to school in the morning. That means I don't get to, you know, like you can take time off. You can but you own that shift and you got to be there. Yeah. And that was a kind of a culture shock. Totally worth it. Like to, for me, totally worth it for all the things in my life, everything lined up. I was willing to sit on that 410 shift, however long it needed to be till I got the 4896. Yeah. Yeah. Because Uh, the 4896 is like amazing. Life is good. I've now got all the best parts of the Coast Guard and none of the worst. Man. So do you guys do all inland rescues or do you any offshore rescues when the day is nice? Like, what do you guys do? Uh, So we've talked about that. Like, do we want to go open ocean? Like, and, you know, they've kind of asked me, like, what do you think? You know, we don't really do open ocean. Like, shit okay. hits the fan, mass casualty. <clears throat> we need to get out there. We're going to do it. We're going to come out. Yeah. We're going to save lives in the middle of the day. Not, you know, low IFR at night. We're not going to do that. God, no. That's terrible. Do you guys Let's have weathermen? We basically follow your general FAA weatherman okay. and it's total pilot discretion. This is what I'm talking about. No safety management system. There's no like specific. Yeah. Just own your shit. Yeah. Be a good pilot. Do you see and a no, wide The best part range. about Orange County is no one questions. Okay. That, that was going to be what I asked. It was like, that is the, you might have a crew chief yeah. who's like, I've been doing this for 20 years. Like, Hey man, why don't, why are we not flying? You're like, Oh, weather looks bad. Um, do you see a wide variety of like personal minimums? Like since it sounds like there's nothing written, um, what are you comfortable taking off in to the chief pod or the, you know, Chuck is like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm good at anything over a thousand only. So I have actually brought things to my chief pod. We only have four pilots at our station. That's crazy. That's crazy. Four yeah. pilots, you know, and- two more coming on. Two more coming on, so we're gonna five six. Yeah, Kenny and I got it. <laughs> I think is it. Can we say? <laughs> can we say the name? I think it's safe now, right? Yeah, uh, you can. The, He's officially the hired. Air Air Commander Kevin Barris. Is he really going? Yeah, Legend. just hired Kevin Barris. Are you ready? You for guys, this guy? the Coast Guard, so ready. 
is he infiltrating. Takes. Oh my god! So if you guys like Murph, Kevin Barris is like ten times the man and pilot that Murph is. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a pilot's pilot. He's yeah. a good stick wiggler. He's yeah. been wiggling sticks for a long time. <laughs> oh, where god. are we going on this tag, dude? No, we were just talking <laughs> about safety culture and weather minimums. Yeah, and, and the, you know, I brought it to. You know, my lead pilot, like, hey, like, what about these weather? Like, are you comfortable in this? Are you comfortable? And he said, it's what, it's about what you're comfortable with. Yeah. Huh. Don't go ball that helicopter up. If you say you're not comfortable, I'm not going to question that. You're not comfortable. The dispatch ain't happening. And then maybe next week we'll talk about it and I'll say, okay, how do we get you comfortable with that? Yeah. What training flights do we need to go do to get you comfortable with that? Because I would have been, but you're not. I'm all cool with that. That's well, awesome. Now how do that, we get you comfortable? But that right there is like, what's the minimum of comfort level? Like, okay, you're not comfortable in 301. Like, how do we get you uncomfortable in 200 and a half? Like, is there a certain level? Like, there's always a level right. that an organization, in my opinion, should have. Like, maybe we don't want Orange County going out on 200 and a half days to fight fires. Like, that doesn't seem like a good So time. it's interesting. I've tried to pull this from the other pilots. Because I come from a culture of I need a number. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, every that's a good point. every single pilot says it depends. It depends. It depends. There, there isn't. Where is it? A number. It depends what's, on where. Where is it? Yeah. What's the mission? What's like, the mission? Oh, what? I, I know where every single tower is between here and my route of flight. I'm going. Yeah, or, but that's, right. So yeah. I, I only own Orange County. Yeah, but that's the purpose of having. Uh, I am like I think that's the purpose of having that limit so that you have that conversation with your okay, chief no. pilot. No, 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 no. Right. That Let me purpose? ask you this: what, right. what are your weathermen's? I think, I think my weathermen's are three hundred and one. Always? No, no. Like I will. It depends. I will go down below that. It depends, I, right? It depends. Yeah, but like Here's, if I if I'm going offshore, like to, yeah, get a hundred and a half. And at, at totally Ahars, okay. what what do you feel comfortable doing training in? Our training men's are 502, and we routinely lower them to 301. Cool. So you're telling me you're comfortable training, bebopping around with some person you've never flown with at 301, 301 but you're never going to do a SAR case. I didn't say I wasn't going to do a SAR case. But I think, the there, I think the importance is having something where you like have a conversation with somebody else. I'm going to blow your mind here. That weatherman isn't for you. That weatherman is for the 1,000-hour aircraft commander in the Coast Guard. There ain't any 1,000-hour aircraft commanders in Orange County Fire. Those men's and those policies are developed by the military because you have junior pilots doing amazing, crazy dangerous things. Yeah. And you got to restrict them because every single one of us is going to do it unless you restrict them. Orange County Fire doesn't need that because we've all leaned a little bit far over our skis. Mm. And we now know how to make the right decision. So do you... Do and, you... and also, it, it doesn't sound like... Um, think of an air station. Like, if you don't launch, there's going to be a, a million people asking questions and your boss is going to have to answer to your boss's boss's boss. Whereas you guys are like, oh, we're not launching. End of story. And you go play pickleball. Right? I mean... I mean, speaking of that, <laughs> you guys play a lot of pickleball, right? Yeah. So actually, uh, Chuck Semi-pro. and I were talked about this uh, at great length. We're trying to figure out why your serves are so low velocity. We think that's why you're not winning Absolute very much garbage pickleball. serves. 
Absolute garbage service. I think I think the uh the, ten uh, out of ten garbage. It's not I do about think the start, the, it's about the finish, my friend. I do think the weatherman's conversation is pretty important, but like <laughs> your garbage pickleball serves are more important than this. <laughs> All right, well. dude. Chuck was also telling you that you were a pitch perfect aficionado, dude. Oh man, we favorite movie of all time, Chuck. You gotta say something here, dude. You can't just laugh. In the chair over there, dude. <laughs> Don't want to ruin the surprise, Chuck. She joins the Bellas. Spoiler alert! <laughs> Spoiler alert! She joins the Bellas. Uh, oh man, I think it was on Cutter Bertoff. We watched Pitch Perfect, like probably 42 times on a 45 day deployment. Is that a Coast Guard record or standard <laughs> standard actually standard that standard probably is procedure. a Coast Guard record. Dude, that might yeah. be a global record. <laughs> Maybe a global record. Jeez. Yeah. Please, Murph. Flick, quality flick. So you want to be Speak part of yourself. The, the Bellas, dude? Bellas. Are you a Bellas? Yeah, I'm a Bellas fan. You're a Bella Barton? All right. Gonna, do you want to finish, do you wanna finish sorry, the weather conversation? Yeah, sorry. I do. Like, uh, sorry, back to the weather conversation. Just, yeah, you got to think about the purpose of everything you're doing. And this is what my safety, my whole thing. What is the purpose of what you're doing? Okay. So what is the purpose of a CO's, what is the command safety policy? Is it something that sits on the wall that no one gives a shit about? Or is there purpose? Are you doing it for a reason? And the Hitron policy, be proactive, break the chain. I, I loved it. Blue, like, whole, wait, that's your whole safety policy? No, this has to be six pages long. Really? Because tell me the first rescue swimmer who's going to read six pages of your stupid garbage. safety policy. Absolute garbage. Garbage. Break so what's the chain. your purpose? Three sentences max. Of your safety policy, be proactive, break the chain. He wanted ownership on every single one of you to do what's right. Yeah. And I guarantee you everyone at that station knew the safety policy and no, it didn't have what was going to happen if you had a mishap, you know, it didn't dive in and say, you know, I'm going to support you. So no, it didn't hit the 10 policies of safety policy, but how many people remember one thing of that when you put 10 policies on it, but everyone remembered that really important one. So do you guys, so what is the purpose? So what is the purpose of, Minimums, weather minimums. Do you fly single pilot IFR? We do. Okay. So this question is for Chuck. Like, Hold on. He, he asked you a question. What's the, what's the purpose of weather minimums? I don't care about that. <laughs> no, I do, I do care about that. But like, I think this is in, in relation to that. Like, okay. Um, Chuck, you're going out on a case, and the weather is 200 and a half, and Josh says, like, hey, man, we're going flying. We're going to go try and get this guy in the mountains. Do you question that at all? Like, are you like, man, like it's foggy as shit at the airfield right now. Like, do you think we're the best asset for this or do we want to wait to the morning? Like, how do you guys, how do you guys, I think it's like, how do you guys tackle that as a crew in Orange County Fire? Do you have a conversation? Is that something that is only Josh and he makes the decision or do you get a say in that? Yeah, we definitely have the leeway to, to bring stuff up. Okay. Just good CRM. Good. And, you know, every crew member saying, you know, this is my experience. This is what I see. Let's talk about this for a sec. Three to go. Yep. One What's to say the, no. That's our pot. Three to go. One to say no. Okay. So we have three <clears throat> people on our helicopter. Okay. You need all three to say yes to go. If one says no, 
you don't go. Do you think there's any pressure from any other position to say yes, or do you are you fully autonomous and you can say no whenever you want? I, I don't, honestly. Like, and you, you could go up to, like, deputy chiefs, op chiefs, like, chief of the department yeah. says, I want you guys in the air. And the pilot or the crew says, this is not a mission that we can accept. Okay. Based on, you know, these parameters and... It's acceptable. Yeah, Chuck, just out of curiosity, have you ever been the one guy in the crew to be like, yeah, man, we ain't going? It hasn't been on an air crew, but on a rescue crew, yes, for sure. Okay. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. You, I think that's Murph, so. have you turned down the case yet? No, I don't think I've needed to. We've turned down, we've decided not to go do training. Yeah. But okay. I haven't had a case that I've needed to turn down okay. yet. Nice. Uh, San Diego fire. We, one of the biggest fires in Orange County. We're flying out there in God, like the winds 60 were like, knot winds. I think the gusts were up to 100. It was <laughs> It was like insane. <laughs> All right, so Hitron, badass. Done some of the most awesome mm, shit in my life. Man. Literally pales in comparison to flying fires. Fires are insane. You strap your jetpack on and fly that helicopter however the hell you want it. Like, the, again, I keep referencing Chief Pilot. He's giving me a lot of good little quips here. But he said, uh, flying fires is the only time you can fly like a jackass. <laughs> he said that? <laughs> and I love every second of it. <laughs> That's why he flies fires. Like, he flies power Loves lines. He flies fire. everything. And he... Yeah loves flying fires and the reason is you have to fly like that to put water on a fire in a canyon there's no standard there's no like there's standardization over the ocean there's no standard sounds canyon so there's no standard <laughs> fire you just you make it happen and you yeah. put safety things in place to make sure you don't kill yourself but incredible but that fire ripping towards homes Shit's going haywire, and Joey says, like, to the to the incident commander, basically, like, hey, we're not effective, and this is dangerous. We're going to land, and I recommend you ground all the all aircraft. aircraft. Whoa. Is that, is that something that was, like... questioned. All is, aircraft. Is that yeah. something that is... Um, is, is that normal to have such, like, not only are, like, we done... But I think everyone else should be done, and we're going to take that decision away from them. When the leaders up top trust the people they've hired to be the professionals they are, yeah, that's normal. That's wow. a good safety culture, man. Yeah. You guys have a good safety culture. It's incredible. Best part of Orange County, hands down. Wow. I don't... Safety management system is what it is. We're putting little things in place. We're building some things that I really loved in the Coast Guard that isn't in Orange County. But there ain't much to fix when you have a good culture. Yeah. Yeah. It actually reminds me of a story. Uh, unfortunately, the opposite side um, in the Coast Guard, I was the CDO or ODO, whatever we called it, at Hitron. Yeah. And I remember the boat crew calling in and saying, hey, um, we're outside of our wind limits for training we're canceling tonight. And so I, I called the air crews and then I called the ops boss and said, Hey, we're canceling dude. And they started questioning like, well, what are, what are the winds? Well, well, that's not what's compared to what's written. And you're like, 
dude, if you start questioning the people that come out and say, this is beyond our limits, whether it's personal, the boat, the the written policy, right? Dude, you're in you're in dangerous territory. You're in yeah. very dangerous territory. So, but yeah, I, yeah. I think that's a phenomenal point. I I want to highlight it, yeah. that again. Like, you got to listen to the people who are actually there and who are saying like, this is what's happening. Like you are sitting back and you're getting that phone call and you're like, oh, let me check uh, the uh, the weather there. I don't know about that. Like it says 15 gusting 17, but you're saying like 20 gusting 25. Like, right. And that, I think now that's so it, important. It goes back to what Murph was saying also of, okay, cool. I am not going to question it. And end of conversation, cancel everything. Yeah. But maybe next week we talk about and you're like, cool, maybe our limits are too small. Maybe our, we need to broaden that out a little bit. Or, right. hey, yeah. maybe I need to expand someone. I'm like, dude, I, I do expect you to be able to do whatever it is that you were trying to go out there and, yeah. and do and, and recage your gyro. And that, that requires tact. Um, and Because you, you got to be very careful about how you approach that person and how you communicate. Like, man, I want, I want you to be able to do that. I want you to be comfortable and understand your limits as a person, as an aircraft, and within you know the umbrella of that organization, but yeah. So, uh, I mean, maybe this doesn't apply to you guys, but like, have you had an oh shit moment in your career flying for Orange County? Um, and if you have, have you shared that with uh, like your other coworkers? I'll, Chuck, have you had anything like that before? Like, have you had any like, mm, this wasn't a great flying experience before? <laughs> I feel like, uh, honestly, like one that comes to mind is with... Uh, like unmanned aircraft, like drones. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, we have a, a lot of um, like urban and suburban or, you know, kind of unincorporated area in Orange County. Mm -hmm. We ha happen to be in Laguna, like not in our jurisdiction, but helping like a neighboring fire department with a rescue, a SAR mission. And we had a, um, we were uh, in the middle of a hoist cycle and somebody saw a drone. So I'm on the skid, pilot was Cody, and uh, we had a rescuer 50 feet below the helicopter. Mm -hmm. And on the radio, you hear, you got a drone above the helicopter, drone above the tail rotor, and I have no visual. The pilot obviously has no visual. And so it was definitely a little pucker factor, like, yeah. okay, are we, are, we, are we done? Like, it was kind of a say a tactical pause for lack of a better word and talk to the pilot like, okay, what's our plan? I'm going to descend and try and create some separation. And so get, let's get this guy on the ground. We'll back out once we get him on the ground and then figure out what we can do to mitigate the drone hazard. So at night, low illumination Dang. and no visual con. It was like, it was super hairy, especially for me on the skid yeah. um, with a live load yeah. you know, under the helicopter yeah. um, in terrain so Yikes, um, man. luckily we were able to, you know, get them on the ground and, and kind of back out of the area. We have uh, a police agency in the, our jurisdiction that has uh, capabilities for like locating operators, drone operators. Yeah. And so we get on the horn with them, figure out, okay, let's mitigate this hazard before we go in. Luckily there's packaging and, you know, all kinds of stuff that happens between us inserting and extracting. Mm -hmm. But that, that was a big one for me, especially, you know, crew coordination with the pilot. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's important too. Like, 
announce and then like you guys it sounded like you descended to try and get away from yep. said drone yep. like man that's i've never had a case where a drone has been an issue and we never we never even talked about that in training it's no, never been i don't like think a, i've ever talked about no. that oh no but it's a definitely a uh an issue you know what i mean in like yeah. today's society everybody has drones they're everywhere also there's, there's like some, a sweet helicopter over your house and you're like want to get, get some video yeah. picture for like, sure. a sweet picture yeah for sure and then so. it just com- it totally complicates the rescue. I tell you where they did talk about it. Goodrich Hoist Conference. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Again. Yeah. There was a whole Lugs, hour dude. about drones and like how do we not only utilize drones, but avoid coordinate avoid drones because yeah. yeah. it's huge. Yeah. 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 And I think you also asked, do we do we communicate that to the other yeah like so how, operators did, for sure? Did we you have, a, have a sit down with everybody and yep okay. we have a monthly um, safety meeting. In our organization, and and it's crew chiefs, rescue medics, pilots, yeah, maintainers, yeah. everybody in the loop, program manager, yeah, and we talk about significant events, and obviously that one is one that we hadn't encountered before. So yeah, I think that's something that we do well in the Coast Guard uh, in our pilot corps because we have like a weekly meeting. Everybody gets together, tells their stories. Like this is what I did well. This is what I didn't do so well. But I don't think with that we bridge the gap as well with our uh, in, with our backseaters. That's so funny. In my interview for Orange County Fire, a crew chief sits on the interview. Yeah, and they asked me like, oh, "What do you do for safety training and you know your safety program?" And I talked about one of the things I talked about was our weekly pilot meetings and how we talk about what happened that past week, cases, what we could have done better. And I went into all this stuff. Best freaking answer of my life, right? And the crew chief goes, "Well." What, what do you do with the crew chiefs? Uh, uh, yeah. An annual safety stand down. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, maybe we need to do that. Yeah. yeah. I think there's so much value in uh, not only like having more of a brief when you're just rinsing the engines in the five minutes that you're going to shut down, but like maybe pull the hoist camera footage. Like, yeah. Look at what you just did for the last 30 minutes. We pull the hoist camera footage. After every single flight. Do you really? But it doesn't take half a fucking hour to pull the hoist camera footage. You better. It takes 30 seconds. Reach. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's easier to review at that point too. Yeah. So get on. Like I remember not pulling hoist camera footage because it was like, well, we don't have a half hour to figure out this Coast Guard antiquated hoist cam download footage software. So let's just talk about it. It takes us 30 seconds. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. I think there's so much value to bring people back in and see that from every perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Murph, I, I, I know you've got a kiss the ground moment when you're done. Cause I remember you calling me. Yeah. Do you have shortly that after it? Dude, I, I think I texted yeah. you. Oh man. I almost died tonight. Yeah. Yeah. What happened, dude? So I'm hats trained, you know, no, I've done a ba- lot basically of, an expert. Yeah. In, done a lot of like Reading books and watching <laughs> videos about brownout. I know how this shit works, right? Well, we're out on a training flight. Me and the chief pilot teaching me how to fly in the mountains, teaching me how to uh, handle different, you know, like this is how we get into confined areas. This is how we do pinnacle landings. This is how you actually get your helicopter on the ground in the mountains, right? Mm-hmm. And we're coming in. We're at like 5,500 feet, San Diego Peak, like kind of like this little ridge line and there's kind of bushes, trees around it. And I'm coming in the land and the brownout starts building, right? 
And I'm like, all good. I've read about this. Just look at the rock. <laughs> as long as I can look at that rock and have a focus point, I'm good to go. Just look at the rock, keep going. Look at the rock, keep going. That's what they taught me, right? So I come down and I get to like three feet and I'm talk to the crew chief in the back. I'm like, all right, can I put it down? And he goes, no, your tail's not clear. There's bushes. Your tail's not clear. Well, what have I just now done? Now I'm sitting in a hover, not bringing it all the way to the ground. And I'm looking at the rock and the Dirt is just collecting, collecting, collecting. And the chief pilot who has like ridiculous amount of hours, like what does he have? Like 35,000 hours? I don't know. This guy's ridiculous. <laughs> he's been flying since he's like 14. Mm -hmm. And he comes to, he comes over the ICS, land the helicopter. Crew chief in the back. You can't land the helicopter. There's bushes in the back. Tail rotor's not clear. Jeez. Land the helicopter. There's bushes in the back. You can't. Forward three, forward three, put the helicopter down now. Oh, and I'm, and I'm like stuck here. I'm like, I can see the rock. Like, Did you is, say I can see the rock? So that's all I, I, that's all I said. Like, I've got good reference. I can see the rock. <laughs> and I'm like, slowly, that's all I said. And I'm, and I'm slowly trying to drift forward. And then the crew chief in the back says, tail's clear. You can put it down. Boom. I gotta put it down. The dust slowly starts coming down. Keep in mind, you we're on 5,000 feet. There's like 2,000 foot drop off every side of us. We've only got about five feet of landing spot. Bushes all around. And, and the dust settles and everything's silent. And I look at this 30,000 hour <laughs> pilot. And his head is just back. And his eyes is closed. <laughs> I just saw the, like the whole life of my family flash before my eyes. No way, dude. I was fully a hundred percent sure I was, I was going to die right now. Did you think you had lost your job at that point? We have a pretty good safety culture. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You didn't dude. know that at the time though. How many flights into your No, this is about this job? is this is like a month before my check ride. Like this is almost at the end. Oh. Like he's an autopilot in the left seat, which is why he probably didn't stop it earlier because things had been going well, you know. I'm Almost a year in, you know, everything had been going well. We're about to do a check ride. He's not concerned at all, which one of my wake up moments with Chris Monticelli, if we ever want to talk about that, mm -hmm. if you're an instructor. You're talking about the werewolf? Yeah. <laughs> I feel if like I've heard an that instructor term and you're sitting in the left seat <laughs> and you're starting to get comfortable because your student is good. We were inches from killing a rescue swimmer. If you're an instructor, always pay attention is this all the way to the end. On the 87, Shelly? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. When we almost killed that rescue. That Slingshot him. Yeah. yeah. So you know, all the instructors out there pay attention to the whole time, but yeah. And he's, and he's just sitting there and I'm like, I, I could see the rock. <laughs> <laughs> he's, Let's go home. Oh, okay. Do you guys Oof. talk at all? And we, we flew the whole flight home in silence. We landed and he said, why didn't you wave off? Like, why, when that was developing, didn't you decide not to land there and wave off? 
well, all the books I've read, when you're doing a, you know, brown out landing and you've got a rock and you've picked an object, just go all the way down to the rock. And that extended my flight training a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know? that's when you realize, like, I can read all the books I want. I can take all, you know, I can take a hats course and think I know everything in the world. But if you haven't had those experiences, if you haven't leaned over your skis a little too far and learned what your limits are and how to actually do things and when to say wave off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you I, know? You just yeah. don't know. Yeah. I remember you telling me that story and I was just like, speechless. Um, I think one of the things you said was like, I was like, why didn't he like take controls or something like that? And you're like, he told me like, I asked you to land there. just expecting that we were going to wave off. Like I knew there was no way we could land there. Like I knew we were going to brown out. Yeah. And you did, you didn't. And we landed there, you know, and it was just too late. Yeah. Yeah. Like it happens quick. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that we sometimes do a very poor job in the Coast Guard of talking about, like, you know, we do our no-hover landings, but we don't actually talk about what we're trying to do and that giant dust cloud that's coming behind you and at some point is going to envelop you. And and thank God you guys, or that you could see that rock, because if you didn't, that would have been a very dangerous point. And I think we do a very poor job in talking about, okay, hey, guys, we're making this approach. There's a good chance we're going to brown out what happens if we do brown out or um, talking to the crew chiefs in the back, talking about like, Hey, it's at your tail. It's approaching fast. Like, Oh, wave off. Yeah. Like right then and there, like, Hey, that's this, that is the time where you make a decision to wave off. Not when you're in it, like put it, put it down. No, you can't. Well, we're, we're committed almost at at this point, you know? So I can tell you that's part of my pre-landing brief. That's awesome. Any confined remote area. We now talk about brown out. Yeah. Just quick, we talk about it. Yeah. Hey, it's grassy. We don't expect brown out. If we do, I'm going to pull power and fly out to the left. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let me know where it's at. Yeah. 30 yards, 20 yards, tail, cabin, and boop. Yeah. Yeah. Man. It was a good one. That's a good one. I also <laughs> yeah. remember you um, saying, you know, like him, you know, as you were going through training saying like, yeah, we're going to spend a little more time and like, the training world of that. And then also when you got to like the hoisting part, it was like, Oh, I don't need to do anymore. Like your, your coast guard experience has gotten you to the point. You're like, I'm not worried about you hoisting. We're going to do a little more mountain time confined area. Yeah. Landing and stuff. Is there anything else on that note of where did the coast guard prepare you for? And what were some of the other areas that you felt like you were weak in? So the coast guard prepared me how to be a professional. And that is something that is surprisingly lacking in the industry is how to be a professional. Yeah. Honestly, can't be understated. It can't be understated. I showed up to an interview ready. I had reviewed, I had ran through my SAR boards, my check rides, my everything. I had prepared as if I was going to do my aircraft commander check ride and I just felt and boom like wow that's how you do an interview and I put together my packet and it's professional and then we go on a check ride or my initial flight and I'm briefing everything I'm talking everything I'm 
explaining everything. I'm telling what my mind is. I'm integrating the crew. I'm full, like CRM, the Coast Guard CRM, just leagues beyond a lot of different departments. Not the agencies. Southern California agencies are phenomenal. We're right there with the Coast Guard, but there's a lot that aren't like that. So just you see that on the flight. And then we've done, you know, we've taken a lot of guys on for uh, trying to hire a new pilot. So I've actually sat in on a couple flights and you just, I've been surprised. I'm like, wow, the Coast Guard's doing a good job. Like we do really teach people how to fly as a crew. We teach people well how to get everyone together and explain what you're doing and get everyone on the same page so that we can make the safest decision as a crew. Yeah. It's not my aircraft, it's our aircraft. Yeah. And that is what the fire department loves. Yeah. Because that's what the fire department is about, you know, like outside of helicopter flight, you know, like we're a team. And I think the Coast Guard definitely prepared me for that. That's that's awesome. And, and we alluded to like a couple of things of like hoist briefs, I think you said, like, yeah. didn't used to have hoist briefs. Is there anything else that, you know, you felt like you made like a big impact? And, and Chuck, I'm going to give this one a check. I don't know. Yeah. I, I was about to say like, Chuck, what are some other things that like um, you've seen flying from Murph that hasn't traditionally been part of that culture or procedures or tactics that you've seen over the last 10 years in, in the fire I feel like the hoist brief is the biggest thing. Okay. Like we've always done a like a spotter safety check before we open the door, make sure everybody's tethered and, you know, in their harnesses and whatnot, cabin safety check for sure. But but the big thing is is like a standardization. Yeah. And 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 I'm getting I'm kind of like gleaning that that is a big Coast Guard thing is standardization. Yeah. You know, so you have pilots that don't normally operate with certain crew chiefs that don't normally yeah. operate with certain crew, but there's a method of like, of performing together and that's a standardized checklist or a standardized SOP or whatever, um, where, you know, there's a safe way to do what we do. Right. So I think that's the biggest thing. Um, you know, especially the hoist brief where you talk about, um, this is our intended operation. This is our intended, like, we're going to shoot for this height. If we have an emergency, this is our out. And if we have a live load below the helicopter, he's committed to the ground at this point. Yeah. And so everybody, literally everybody, including the rescuer on comms, is briefed on this is what we're going to do in any case. If everything goes great or if everything goes wrong. This is yeah. what we're going to do. Yeah, at least you know, like, now there's, like, a baseline, and, and maybe something happens that you weren't expecting at all, and you guys yep. need to deviate. But at least now you know, here's the baseline that we're going to deviate f from. And so I think that's interesting you guys talk about, uh, you know, cool, we got four pilots, and I don't know how many chiefs you guys have, but I could see how you could easily just get into a rhythm with someone For where sure. it's like, yeah, I don't need to say a whole lot, right? right? Sure. And but we challenge those guys to give what our policy says or to give what's standard with the other pilots you know, or the other crew chiefs. If it doesn't happen, we say, okay, let's, let's talk about this real quick. Or what's your hoist brief? Do you have a hoist brief? Yeah. And, and at that point, I feel like whoever 
you know, is flying knows that the expectation is we talk about those potential emergency procedures or what we're shooting for for an altitude or, you know. But that goes back to what's the purpose, you know, like what is the purpose of this hoist brief? Right. I'm Before me, three pilots, three crew chiefs, your standard shift, you're always flying with the same people, Vietnam air pilots who have been flying for their whole life, they didn't need a hoist brief because they already knew what they were doing. The crew behind them already knew what they were doing. Yeah. They live together, eat together, fly together with the same person every yeah. day. They don't need to talk about things, but we are now a growing agency who is hiring more pilots, more crew chiefs, more shifts, yeah. more integration. And now you're starting to need a little bit of standardization, standardization yeah. because we're growing, yep. you know? So I'm not saying in any way that Orange County was faltering by not having that hoist brief before me. And that's the reason the chief pilot said, hey, we hired you because we're growing. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and the Coast Guard is good at standardization. We're good at CRM. We're good at being a crew, even though we're a very large agency. Culturally. Compared to yeah. Orange County Fire. Yeah, you're probably the perfect person for that. Uh, job to uh, be part of that crew and grow that culture and move it to what it needs to be as, as you guys expand. That's awesome, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, any, any last parting shots before we close out here? Anything that you wanted to talk about that no, you haven't think, had a chance to? I think that's it, man. Like, okay. We've heard at this conference, like so many little catchphrases, little inspirational things little like oh ego is not your amigo oh my god yeah <laughs> i don't think i've ever heard that one ego is not, not your ego. amigo man like get over yourself yeah listen to criticism grow mm. own your shit that was one thing do your job yeah yeah like too many times we're looking at other people we're looking at things. no just do, do your, your job. job yeah you know like be the professional that is standing next to you that is standing to the left to the right of you and if they're not, be in front of them and do your job. Like yeah. we've heard all these things this weekend that just hit home. But Chuck and I, you know, like I love coming to these HII things and not for the floor, not for, you know, the courses are great. But Chuck and I every night this week have drank beers together and talked leadership, talked challenges, talked just like how to be a better dude. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, how do we make our organization better? Mm -hmm. And you need that. Like, that is amazing. And I felt like in my last, like, years of the Coast Guard, I was so focused on, like, oh, I got to be the best back-end officer, be the best this, be the best this. I got to promote. I got to be everything. And I missed out on a lot of those things that I have been able to fully suck up with Orange County Fire because I don't have a collateral. All I do is fly helicopters. You're the safety guy, dude. It's not yeah. collateral. That's dude, a choice. So <laughs> that is a calling. Yeah. 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 I cannot stress the importance of that. Like, get in. Just yeah. Yeah, you hang hear, out and talk about this stuff. Yeah, this even even right now, right? Like you, yeah. you go and you listen to that stuff and you come you can come back after a couple of beers and be like, Are we doing that? That what that person said is a really good, you know, best practice that they do. Like are we doing that? 
if not, why not? And and maybe there's a reason right. why not, but you at least get to talk about it and share experiences of like, yeah, maybe we should do that. Maybe we shouldn't do that. Um, right. Dang, maybe I'm not prepared every day when I show up for, for work and that, that's awesome. And that's how you grow. And that's how we, we all grow as an aviation industry at large, yeah. you know? Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um, well, we like to end every episode with um, some sort of advice. It may be aviation related. It may just be, you know, general life advice that you guys have either gotten or guidelines that you like to live, live by. So um, floor is yours as far as um, anything you'd like to share, whether it's a younger version of Murph or Chuck or some pilot or crew chief or some up and coming, you know. So I can't express this enough. Being part of a fire organization, these firefighters are phenomenal. Mm -hmm. These are true leaders who care about each other and care about their job. Mm -hmm. And I've had some, I have had the experience of working with some inspirational Marty. Mm -hmm. We were talking about this earlier. Oh yeah. Marty is someone you just want to be, you want to be like Marty, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I want to be like Chuck. I want to be like Chuck. Be, I've known Chuck for two days. Yeah, yeah at least like 72 hours we've yeah. known Chuck. Yeah, so that's my advice. Like, be that person, like, just be that, and I'm going to turn this to Chuck because yeah. what's your advice, dude? It, it's funny that you asked, like, we were talking about this the other night. And there was a question that was raised in one of the like working groups, you know, what does it mean to be a top performer or like when you're hiring people or wanting to grab people for your aviation program, you know, and you want top performers, what does that look like? What do you, how are you a top performer? What do you look for? And we talked about it last night to me personally, it's a, it's wanting to be held accountable. Like I want to be held accountable by my pilot, by the rescue medic, by my other crew chiefs, other people in the unit. And also like being around people that want to be held accountable. Like it's not just, you know, you wanting to do your best. It's everybody wanting to do their best and looking at the people next to you going, that guy's such a badass. That guy on my other side, is such a badass. I got to elevate my game. Yeah. I got to, mm-hmm. you know, study more, train more. Yeah. Like I need to be my best every single day. That's to me what a top performer it, is. I feel like it's interesting that you say that because being held accountable has such a negative connotation. Yeah. Right. Like we always think of it as like getting someone trouble. getting in trouble, but right. not elevating game to be like, dude, I need to be better. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Hold and, me accountable. Yeah. Tell it's me my it's your job to hold me accountable, right? I like if I wasn't ready, yeah. it's your job to feel comfortable with me and yourself, to have confidence in yourself, to be like, Chuck, dude. Relying on you for that. Yeah, man. Man, I love that, Chuck, dude. That is great. I really, really appreciate that. Thank you, man. Yeah, that's really good. Dude, Chuck's my new guru. Yeah, dude. We're going to be calling Chuck for I'm advice. Chuck. Dude. I'm calling Chuck for everything, dude. I'm calling Chuck it's for like everything. like marriage advice. Like, hey. Oh, daily. Daily, daily I go to this dude yeah. for marriage Chuck's advice. Yeah. Chuck's my guy. Yep. Nice. Well, um, we're honored that you guys uh, took the time out of your, your busy night to come hang out with us. It's one in the morning, and I have a flight at nine in the There's morning. There's no timestamps in flights in Friday. I feel like we have <laughs> no time stamps. more hours to go. Um, well, dude, you can sleep out. the whole way home. That's yeah. just saying. That's fine, dude. Um, but but honestly, um, 
yeah, dude, we're honored you guys took the time to come out and share stuff. And the whole point of this podcast is to just learn and grow every single day to make ourselves better so that we're prepared when that whoopee goes off or whatever you guys call it, dispatch um, calls out that you're ready to go. And not only can you go out and save a life, but you also get um, back home safe to your family because that's ultimately the... Every night. That's extremely important. So, yeah, yeah, man. I think the that's a wrap, dude. Yeah. Kenny, Sam, thank you guys. Yeah, thank man. You. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Dude, so Orange much County. fun. <laughs> Love you guys. Yeah. This is awesome. Sam, hit the button. Hitting the button. We say goodbye, but now-